This is a Bible study on the book of Ruth, and we are in chapter 4. As previously, I will recite the entire chapter and then go back over some of the highlights. Ruth chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the next of kin, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the next of kin, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land which belonged to our kinsman, Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also buying Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the dead, in order to restore the name of the dead to his inheritance. Then the next of kin said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day. I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, and all that belonged to Kilian and Malhan, and also Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malhan. I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem, and may your house be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the children that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of David. Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, 
Ram of Amminadab, Amminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. As we begin this final chapter, Boaz makes good on his promise to Ruth as set out in chapter 3, verse 13, and also validates the statement that Naomi made in chapter 3, verse 18. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Boaz goes to the city gate, where legal transactions are typically done, and sits down. God's providence begins to work because verse 1 says, And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken had come by. In verse 2, Boaz wastes no time by saying, Come aside, friend, and sit down. Boaz is able to assemble ten judges of the city in order to validate what he is about to transact. One thing we find throughout the negotiations regarding Boaz, which should be of no surprise by now, he acts with utter integrity. His speech is direct, explaining without manipulation how Naomi has come back from the country of Moab and sold the land which belonged to Elimelech, so that the nearer relative has the opportunity, indeed the honor, to buy it back in the presence of all the elders. He also says to the nearest relative, If you do not redeem it, I will. When the nearer relative, in verse 5, finds out that in addition to redeeming the land, he would also be required to provide children for the widow's deceased husband, he declined. Why? Because now he is informed by Boaz of the existence of Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law. Although Naomi is the widow of Elimelech, she has passed the age of childbearing. Absent the daughter-in-law, the nearer kinsman redeemer would have no concerns about raising up children. But now, Ruth's presence complicates the matter. He would be obliged, since Ruth is the widow of Elimelech, to provide an heir, and she is fertile. So he calculates that his inheritance might be at risk, and to make matters worse, he finds out that Ruth is not from Israel, but from Moab. The price is too high. The irony here is that the nearest relative who says the price is too high because he wants to protect the name of his family through inheritance to his children is actually not named in the story. And so the one who would not pay the price to protect Naomi and her daughter-in-law Ruth remains anonymous and outside God's providence. He, like so many in the book of Judges, does what he considers right in his own eyes that is, in disordered reason, bent toward selfishness. We recall here the words of Jesus, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. As regards Moaz, he does not care that Ruth is from Moab and therefore a foreigner. What is more important to him is that she is a woman of virtue, and now calls on the name of Yahweh. St. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 10, verse 12. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
As Christians, we know that Christ, our kinsman redeemer, paid the ultimate price by his blood shed on the cross, and that we have the privilege not only of sharing in its saving effects, but of being ourselves co-redeemers through prayer, sacrifice, and charity on behalf of our brothers and sisters in need. When we do, Scripture tells us three things. First, according to Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, we will be given a new name. Second, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, Christ will confess that name before his Father and before the angels. Third, our names will be registered in the book of life and therefore never forgotten. So the unnamed relative refuses the honor of being a kinsman redeemer, and as customary in those days, the transaction is ratified by taking a sandal off the foot of the person who is reneging, similar to signing a contract. In verse 9, Boaz publicly says to the elders and to the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and Malhan. Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Elimelech, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. The public declaration by Boaz is meant to give honor and respect to Ruth as being no longer a foreigner, a widow, or maidservant, but his wife. Moreover, Boaz acts consistently with integrity, whether in private, as he did by secretly ordering his workers to leave grain purposely for Ruth, or now publicly fulfilling his duties as kinsman-redeemer in the presence of all the witnesses. This has great effect on the people who not only attest the legality of the transaction, but now bless Ruth. Once again, the witness value of one's life is illustrated. Ruth, who was formerly an outsider, now, as wife of Boaz, is fully accepted into the covenant community and encouraged to be famous in Bethlehem. In verse 11, the people who were at the gate and the elders say to Boaz, quote, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah, because of the children that the Lord will give to you by this woman. The reference to Perez in verse 12 is because he was the son of Tamar, and Tamar was similar to Ruth, being a widow, whose kinsman redeemer, Onan, was also not willing to exercise his duty to provide her with children. So God blesses her with Perez, who was an ancestor of David. Tamar was also similar to Ruth, in that she was a foreigner, a Canaanite. But whereas Boaz acts with integrity, Judah, on the other hand, unwittingly fulfills his role of kinsman-redeemer with great shame, thinking Tamar was a prostitute. Nevertheless, God's providence prevails 
even within our sinful deeds, as Judas' line is protected with the birth of Perez. In verse 13, Boaz takes Ruth as his wife, and they have a son, Obed, who is the grandfather to King David. Notice in verse 13, the Lord gives her conception, reminding us that children are a gift from God. As Hannah states in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27, quote, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the desires of my heart. End of quote. During her marriage to Malon, Ruth was barren, but now God rewards her for her loyalty to Naomi. Divine providence and human agency cooperate. We also notice how quickly the conception took place. In contrast to Ruth's ten years of barrenness in Moab, married to Malon, Yahweh provides in Bethlehem almost immediate fertility, which answers the prayers of the people in chapter 4, verse 11 to 12, that the marriage be fruitful like Rachel and Leah. Just as the book of Ruth opened with death and sorrow, it ends with new life and hope. In verse 14, the situation of Naomi is reversed, no longer empty-handed and bitter, but filled. The women who in chapter 1 lamented with Naomi now bless God for the child born to Ruth and bless Obed that his name be famous in Israel and praise Ruth who they say is better to Naomi than seven sons. This is the ultimate compliment given the patriarchal culture that so esteemed male progeny. Naomi in chapter 1 verse 21 laments, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has afflicted me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? But in fact, God was with her the entire time, bringing good out of evil. In chapter 4, verse 14, the women say, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. In fact, the women go so far as to name the child, a great privilege apparently afforded by Boaz and Ruth. Obed means one who serves, an appropriate name given how he will be a restorer of joy to Naomi and Ruth, and an essential link to the great servant of all servants, Jesus Christ. In essence, as scholars suggest, the boy is also a type of kinsman redeemer since he will provide the protection and rehabilitation that was needed to a family that suffered such emptiness in Moab. Again, we see the power of witness. The women of Israel have observed Ruth's character, which so impacts them and the community that they break out in praise. As it turns out, God's providence was at work throughout the whole story to bring about the Messiah through the line of David. God redeems a person to redeem a family, to redeem a nation through his covenant love. The chapter concludes with a short genealogy. In verses 18 through 22 we hear, Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, 
Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. What is striking is that this same genealogy from Perez to David is repeated in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Furthermore, other women in Matthew's genealogy are mentioned as well as Ruth, such as Tamar, Rahab, Bathsheba, and of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary, underscoring that God is not limited by our irregularities. There are further lessons that can be learned from this concluding chapter. Notice, for example, what opportunities are presented as a result of the crisis in the lives of Naomi and Ruth. What was certainly a tragedy in one sense turned into events of love, loyalty, and self-sacrifice, new life, and hope for the future. Why? Because these women, made vulnerable and in need from circumstances beyond their control, opened their hearts to each other in solidarity, and a person wealthy and independent graciously joined them to create a new family that would go on to save the royal line. The lesson is clear. In any tragedy, opportunity opens up that may never otherwise be available or possible. If we have eyes to see, through it all, God is working, even if quietly and behind the scenes. When we trust in His steadfast love, participate and be transformed by it, the good that can arise from hardships is unfathomable and may never be fully understood until the general judgment, when all will be made clear. God's providence is at work in our lives when we trust and obey Him. The narrator does not mention Yahweh once in the book of Ruth, yet it is clear that God is active behind every scene. Each character has the freedom to cooperate or not. The refusal to act with honor by the nameless relative, for example, stands in stark contrast with the integrity of Boaz, who by exercising steadfast love becomes a type of Christ. We are reminded as well of the beginning of Ruth's journey, when she decides, while still in Moab, to be faithful to Naomi and to the God of Israel, whereas Orpah declines. These same choices present themselves to us each day. Will we trust in God's has said and pay the price, sharing that same loving kindness with our neighbor, going well beyond what is expected? If so, God will, through his providence, respond in ways that we could never imagine. Another lesson is the importance of family and community. Both women were made vulnerable as a result of the death of Ruth's husband, Naomi's husband, and her two sons. Being a woman and a childless widow in that time of history would usually lead such a person into destitution. However, rather than isolate themselves in their sorrow and grief, these women forge bonds of love. They remain loyal to each other, and through that love grow strong. As the book of Ecclesiastes says, quote, Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. 
Boaz would be the third strand in this cord that provides the important link to hold the royal line of Judah together. How important is this lesson regarding family and community, given our disconnected age of individualism and self-interest? Even in our churches, we can attend Mass for several years and yet not know the names of our fellow parishioners. So how do we form better relationships with our fellow believers? One suggestion is to belong to a small faith group whose members learn from each other as they apply the gospel to their practical lives and hold one another accountable. Sharing joys, sorrows, love, and commitment brings many blessings. Without Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz being faithful to each other through love, their world and ours would have been greatly impoverished. In this Bible study, we have commented on some of the main virtues of these characters, such as Hesed, industriousness, and humility, that allow Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz to overcome great obstacles and take an important place in salvation history. However, there are many more virtues that should not be overlooked in our story and that provide valuable lessons for our daily living. In the next and last part of this Bible study, we will examine some of these other virtues that truly define our characters.